0: The speaker had made a strong case for God's existence. John had been an atheist for as far back as he could remember, and he'd read about some of the theistic arguments, but few of them had really made any impact on him. But tonight's talk had unsettled his easy and comfortable disbelief. What if God is there after all? What if... He's given enough of a trail so that John could find him. As he was walking out of the auditorium, John glanced over and the speaker happened to be walking towards him. John stopped and he put out his hand. Hi Andy, I'm John. Thanks for your talk tonight. Andy smiled. Oh, you're very welcome. And they shook hands. John continued. I wasn't convinced though, John laughed. It was a bit of a lie, but... John thought he masked it perfectly. I just don't find the idea of God to be that compelling. I think God would have to do something really, really special for me to believe in him. Like, causing a message to be written in the sky. And he picked up John's point immediately. What are you thinking of? Something like, hi John, this is God. I love you, signed Jesus. John stopped. Um... Well, yes, just like that. If God exists, he would do that. And he smiled at John. Do you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, John. Here's how I would respond.
1: Welcome to Respond. Here's your host, Stuart Gray.
0: Respond comes out of my experience as a Christian. Sometimes I've had opportunities to talk about the reasons why Christianity makes sense to me. Other times, I've not had these opportunities, but I wish I had. My aim for this podcast is maybe to open up issues that you might have if you're unconvinced about Christianity so far. And perhaps it'll also give the already convinced some help talking about Christianity with interested friends. Hi, how are you? You know, it's a common complaint that I hear from from many people. If God's there, why does he make it so hard to believe in him? Why can't it be more obvious that there is a God? I've even heard some sceptics make their own scepticism the very thing that determines whether or not God exists. If God exists, I would be a Christian, some people say. Really? Well, that sounds a bit self-serving to me. But I do like John's request for a message written in the sky. You know, written just for him by God. Why wouldn't God do something like that? Well, I'll respond to that question towards the end of this podcast. But first, I want to suggest three really important points. Here's the first one. Christianity is all about periods where people Wrestle. The Bible is full of examples where heroes of the faith struggled to find God and asked where God was. Now, scholars believe the oldest book in the Bible's Old Testament is the book of Job. Now, this is a story about one man's descent into deep, deep suffering and anguish. The book makes it clear that Job believed and worshipped God, but his time of suffering shook him to the very core. At one point, he says this. If only I knew where to find God. I'd go to his court. I would lay out my case. But I go east and he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. This sounds to me a bit like the title of this week's podcast. I can imagine Job complaining, hang on a minute, why is God so hard to find? The Book of Psalms is another place where poets and songwriters pour out Their frustrations and heartbreak. One of them complains, Oh God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by many enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, Where is this God of yours? You know, the Bible's really not interested in just pursuing a party line on this. It's not saying Something like, hey everyone, God's there and you need to just get on board with that fact. No, not at all. Much space in scripture is given to the very real and common human predicament. If God's there, then why is he so hard to find right now? But you know, there's an important step that the people in the Bible do not make. They don't say, because I feel I can't find God, therefore God doesn't exist. No, no, they don't. You know, it's clear that their whole lives are lived through their belief in God. And so when he appears absent and they complain about it, it's only for a season of time. And that season passes. For example, Job himself says, The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord's taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, Job's worshipping God through his pain. He doesn't attack God or deny him. And similarly, in the Psalms, that writer eventually says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my saviour and my God. So, you know, if I can't find God right now, it might have something to do with a common human experience. And I'm talking about my own limitations as a mere human being. You know, I've personally been a Christian for over 40 years and I can tell you that I have had my fair share of these experiences. And I'm not alone in that. So if you're waiting for God to become really obvious to you before deciding to believe in Jesus Christ, then maybe that's not the right approach. Because at the end of the day, we are just limited human beings. We aren't all-seeing and all-powerful. If faithful believers sometimes have trouble finding God, then surely we're going to face the same thing. Now, I've said that there are periods where I'll struggle to connect with God, but here's here's a second comment on God's hiddenness. I'm not convinced that God is actually that hidden at all. In fact, when I hear sceptics complain that there's no evidence for God, I honestly wonder why they would say that. Now, in this short series of podcasts, we've taken a deep dive on the cosmological evidence for God, as the cause of the universe. Now, that's a big piece of evidence right there. Natural ideas don't allow us to escape the conclusion that the universe had a beginning, and they underline that fact. But if the universe had a beginning, there's a powerful argument to say that a personal divine agent was the cause, and that sounds like God. Check out the earlier podcast on that. There are other arguments. Take how incredibly fine-tuned our universe is for life. We actually discussed that on the very first episode. Or how about the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? These things point to God's existence and they're not hard or convoluted. It's, It's all very clear. So I would ask, is the trail of evidence leading to God really so hard to find and follow? I'm not so sure. I think the evidence is there. For those who want to find it. So what have I been saying about the hiddenness of God? Well the most earnest believers throughout human history have admitted that they go through times where they say where's God? And we see that inside and outside of the Bible. But I've also said that the evidence for God's not so hard for those who want to find it. Now you might reply to me Stu- Stuart it's not enough for me. Well here's my third point. I don't think... God making himself more obvious right now is going to help anyone. You might be surprised to hear me say that, but let me explain what I mean. First of all, I've noticed that people are very skilled at avoiding the evidence for things that they don't like. For example, when it's my turn to empty the bin in the kitchen, frankly, I'd rather do anything than empty the bin sometimes. And so a reminder from my family, "Uh, Stuart, it is your turn to empty the bin. That's just going to annoy me. I know, I know I'll get to it. I think we see a similar thing going on in the life of people in the New Testament. People choosing to avoid and even suppress the truth about Jesus. Here's an interesting piece of evidence for that from John's Gospel. In chapter 12, it says this, When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him, and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, here's a better context. Sometime earlier, Jesus' friend Lazarus had unfortunately died, and Jesus turned up a few days later to find his sisters grieving. Have you ever heard someone shout the phrase, Jesus wept! Well, that is actually the shortest verse in the, in the New Testament and it, and it describes what Jesus was doing outside Lazarus' tomb. That is, before he raised him from the dead and returned him to Martha and Mary. That incident's discussed in John chapter 11. But a while later, it seems that Lazarus has become a minor celebrity. It's like people are like, Wow, that guy that was raised from the dead, here he is. Let's go and hear his story. Let's find out what it was like being dead and coming back to life. Give that guy a book deal. You know, the religious leaders of the time resented Jesus for taking the limelight that they felt belonged to them. And we read a number of times that they plotted to kill Jesus. Spoiler alert, they do succeed in that. But look at what we learn from this passage in John 12. It says this the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So, the local celebrity guy who'd been raised from the dead is having his life threatened. Why? Well, isn't he evidence that God exists? and that Jesus is who he says he is? The son of God, the forgiver of sins, the one who gives life. You know, the people who want to suppress and kill Jesus will also want to suppress all the evidence that Jesus is right about what he says. And Lazarus is part of that evidence. Lazarus, the walking miracle guy pointing to God. Now, we read that, Lazarus caused some people to believe in God But he also caused others To get really angry And want to kill him Maybe things haven't changed so much I think it's the same today Not everyone wants to bow the knee to God And the ones who don't Would probably just get angry If God made himself so obvious In the world that they had no choice You know, by doing a Lazarus Type miracle right in front of them That's why I'm saying that God making himself more obvious probably wouldn't help a lot of people. Here's a second reason God might not want to be more obvious. Right now, I think God might want to protect our free will choice. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is he wants to spare us from being compelled to have to bow the knee to him. So he doesn't make his existence too obvious. He gives us just enough evidence So that the ones who will worship God, do worship God. And he gives everyone the space to choose not to, if that's what they want. Think about it this way. A lot of people are just going to resent having to bow the knee to God right now. Because they will feel forced into it. What if God doesn't want to force us into anything? What if God wants us to freely choose to follow him? What I'm saying is just seeing God clearly doesn't ultimately help us because not everyone will want to follow God anyway. But for those who truly want to believe and follow him in their lives, we will find sufficient, correct evidence to help us get started. Okay, let's go back to the beginning of this podcast. Do you remember what Andy said in reply to John's request to see God write a message to him in the sky? Why wouldn't God write Hi John, this is God I love you, signed Jesus Well Andy said this in reply God doesn't want you to simply believe That he is there That is not God's goal Because God knows that ultimately Just believing that is not going to help you So why wouldn't God want to write a message to you in the sky? Well, God's not interested in your intellectual assent. But what we learn from Christianity is that something else is going to help us. And that something else is this. When we come to really know him. To enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants us to be a disciple. A follower of Jesus. Does a sky message achieve that? Well... It might lead some people towards intellectual knowledge that God is there, but other people would just explain it away. Either way, bare intellectual agreement that there's a God would not achieve God's goals because it doesn't go far enough. He wants us to be a disciple. Someone that says, I love you, God. I now decide and I choose to follow your ways and live life the way that you want me to live it. Now that's a very different thing from just saying, I think God exists. It's about a relationship. You know, during a discussion I had recently with uh, a couple of friends, they shared how they felt about all this. And also what led them to deciding to become a Christian. Here's Jill Parkinson.
1: Yeah, it's it's really, I haven't even thought. I'm still reeling a bit from the not wanting everyone to believe in, in him in the sense that I hadn't really thought about that. Um, but a message in the sky the problem is that anything that happens, even when you do believe in God and you do have a relationship with him, there's always something in your mind that says, Oh, yeah, but that might have happened anyway, or that could have, or you know. Yeah yeah, that aircraft could have flown in that particular pattern and just happened to spell <laughs> James. Exactly. Or, yeah. So, it, yeah. Where does it end?
0: There, There's always yes.
1: someone that could recreate it inauthentically. Yes. Because I'm thinking, you know, and I often think about what led me to be certain about my faith is people in my life, unexpected people, you know, like a Christian neighbor or a great aunt that seemed to go to church or I went to a wedding once before I made a commitment. Well, before I started going back to church, actually,
2: mm. and
1: they m- made a toast to Jesus and thanked him and everything. And I sat there and people seemed to be joining in. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, this is a room full of people that I thought I knew and they actually believe in this stuff. and it's it's that kind of experience that although I didn't believe it at that time they those are the experiences that you build on because when you make the decision for yourself you think well they've done it they you know the more people that have given their testimony or said they believe Mm. makes it somehow more acceptable to make that step you don't feel quite so much like the crazy person.
0: Andy Gatt is a another friend of mine and, and he had this to see. I mean I, I, I
2: can remember the first time that I felt the Holy Spirit within me and we had started going to church because we wanted to get my son christened, and we weren't going for any other purpose than that um, but because I think I said you need to do this if you want to have him christened in our church, so we did. And um, but while we were there for the few weeks leading up to his christening, some things happened that made you know, me start thinking. And then one day during Sunday service, we sang The Servant King by um, Frank Kendrick, yeah. And and there was just a point within that song when when suddenly I just felt something that I just didn't understand and I burst into tears. And 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 it was on the line of when, when he said um, hands up through stars into space to call now surrender. And it just went and yeah. and I knew there was something inside me that had happened and there was some knowledge that I had gained but I couldn't possibly articulate it. But it, mm. and it just came out in tears. It just came out in tears. Yeah. And when I realised afterwards what had happened to me, but while I was going through it, I didn't realise what had happened. But I knew that it was happening. And and that was that was God working within me. The Holy Spirit working within me in the way that you're talking about. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it seems to me that. Times of wondering where God is are common to everyone. But I'm becoming more and more convinced that God gives just enough evidence to help the people that will believe in him, the people that he knows will believe and follow Jesus. So why is there not more evidence for God then? Well, more evidence is not going to help those who will not believe anyway. And more evidence isn't necessary for those who already have enough evidence and who will believe. More evidence would also undermine people's free will choice to believe and those people that are determined not to believe, they're not going to believe anyway and they'd resent being compelled to do so. But you know, for the rest of us, God's not as far away as some people might think. Here's how Acts chapter 17 in the New Testament puts it The God who made the world and everything in it This master of sky and land He doesn't live in custom made shrines Or need the human race to run errands for him As if he couldn't take care of himself He makes the creatures The creatures don't make him Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him we can't get away from them. So we're going to shift gears next week and we're going to ask the question, what does it take for someone to go beyond simply responding to God questions and actually go out and pursue people who deny that God exists? And what does it take for for someone to, to want to challenge their lack of of belief in god next week i'm going to be talking to a guy who does just that see you then